good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Altazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Pre Tools, try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go give us a call? It's 499 9526. And you put a 225 in front of that number, we'll get you to us from anywhere inside the continental United States. That's right, just in case you happen to be listening live on iHeartRadio or one of the others, or even if you listen on a podcast, if you call us at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time, uh-huh. you don't, we, you'll be able to get right on the air and talk and to us. And you can hear us on your telephone. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee that'll be a live feed. There so, you go. Yeah, I had a gentleman from Canada who wrote, and he says, outside of the United States, iHeart doesn't actually work. I guess it's something to do with the international copyright laws, but it doesn't bring broadcast outside of the continental u.s and that would only make sense yeah even though we do have a lot of international listeners they can't hear us live of course you can always listen on the podcast either with itunes or stitcher or whatever the pod bean right or there's many there's many, many so many, many of them i can't keep up with them yeah there's basically dozens if not hundreds of them out there, and any of them just about all of them do carry our show uh-huh just click on that and we really appreciate it well, it's a beautiful morning, huh? It is a beautiful Saturday morning. That's right. Here in South Louisiana. That's right. I can't say about everywhere else, but here it is very, <laughs> very nice. Uh, yeah, no matter what you're doing, you're working on your car or just thinking about working on your car don't want to work on your car. I run into a little girl last night that didn't have a clue. All daddy told her, put gas in it and drive it. Hmm. And he lives out of town, so I give her some good advice last night. There you go. We may have a new customer. Okay. Well, all right. <laughs> yeah, that run to fail type maintenance really doesn't make a whole lot of sense it's just way way too expensive and i guess if you can afford it and that's your preferred way of doing things and that's fine a lot of people do do that they'll just drive it until it breaks and then they'll get whatever it is fixed and right kind of go on from there seems expensive to me but it is but again we look at it from a different perspective exactly they're looking at it as dollars out of my pocket right now as opposed to we're looking at it as a long-term thing because Correct. we see the ramifications and it does cost some money to have a transmission service. This is true. Sure. It does cost money to have your coolant replaced. But when you look at what happens if you don't do it. Exactly. That you know, $200 transmission service is pretty good deal when you consider a $4,500 transmission replacement. Well, and your coolant replacement, under $100, $200 yeah. to have the coolant replaced could actually save the vehicle in That's the right. long run. Because yeah. a bad cooling system will entirely eat the cooling system up. It will. It will basically total the car. It will. I mean, you can eat up the heater core, which is means the dash has to come out, eat the radiator, the head gaskets, who knows what all. And it's a repercussion thing because a new radiator is not going to last long with that kind of environment. That's and right. And it'll eat it back out too. It just keeps going and going That's right. and going. And the problem is once you find out you got a problem, it's, it's almost too late to fix it. Exactly. It's one of those things where you really got to take action before you have a problem. Right. Hey, let's go to our phone lines with Mike. Good morning, Mike. Hey, Lewis, how are you? Doing great, sir. I've got a 69 Corvette, and, and odd that you're talking about coolant problems. Uh-huh. I think okay. that's what I've got. Okay. Uh, I just installed a, a new radiator water pump and just got it put in myself last mm-hmm. weekend yes, and was going to drain the block, try to get all the, the coolant out of it. Yes, of course, sir. I drained the radiator, first of all, pulling the old one out. But anyway, when I pulled the first drain plug on the passenger side, nothing came out, mm-hmm. no water. Pretty common on an older car, yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of dug around in there with a screwdriver because I could see a, a little bit of quote-unquote crud. Uh, yeah, I scale right, that uh, builds up at the bottom of the block. Right, and so I dug around in there. It even bent uh, stiff copper wire to get up in there as far as I mm-hmm. could to clean stuff out and got maybe a teaspoon of this black crud out of it. It wasn't reddish, rusty sort of stuff, but black. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that's what's uh, in the bottom of the engine block, right. uh, Mike. That's going to be basically iron oxide, which is the resultant sludge from iron oxide which is red after it breaks down falls to the bottom mixes with all the other crud it'll turn black and it's plugged that plug completely up 
Yeah, it's kind of the consistency of thick toothpaste. Exactly. Uh-huh. Peanut butter, mm-hmm. but right. Is there anything that I can do, or is that an indication that I'm going to have that same stuff in other cooling passages? It's in there, Mike. The only way effectively to get it out would be possibly to remove a couple of the core plugs on the side of the block and get, of course, you have to have the car up on a lift of some sort where you can access it. Beyond that, you'd have to remove the engine from the car to do it, which is pretty problematic. But normally you can knock a couple of the freeze plugs out, get there with a hose, and just run clear water through it until you get it out, reinstall the core plugs, fill it with fresh coolant, let it run for a relatively short period of time, maybe a couple of weeks, and then do it again just to get the remainder out. I don't know any other way other than extracting the engine from the car. Right. You're not going to get 100% of it out. There's no way to get it out like Lewis said. No, you got to take the engine engine out out of the car and disassemble it and go have it cleaned in a special cleaner to get it all out. But But I think you can get a good job by doing something like that. You can get the vast majority of it out. If you don't remove it, it's it's an abrasive, and it's going to continue to circulate with the coolant, and it's going to start eating up things like radiators and heater cores and all because... It acts sort of like sandblasting when it's flowing with that coolant. And the faster the coolant flows, the more the effect. Now, there is a filter that you can put in the upper radiator hose mm-hmm. that will catch the big particles catch that get broke it. loose. Mm-hmm. It will not catch 100%, but it will catch the big particles that will stop the new radiator up. You gotta, Of course, it's another serviceable item. You'll have to take the filter out, clean it out, and put it back in periodically just to keep it clean to keep the coolant just flowing section the upper radiator hose right. in two pieces and it just kind of fits in line so that the water has to flow through the filter yeah uh, three years ago a local repair shop one that was supposed to be a good of uh, good reputation replaced mm-hmm. the freeze plugs and, it, and didn't say anything about any abnormalities you know in that area and of course i brought it to them to replace it because i noticed that one of them was leaking because yeah. the original freeze plugs were steel mm-hmm. and of course they did fortunately go back with brass ones yeah. but then it seems as though they would have said something at that time well but, uh, may, they may not other. understand corrosion not every good mechanic understands all the physics of what he's working with and he tends to treat symptoms just the fact that you have a rusted out freeze plug means you've got an issue because core plugs are designed to last pretty much the life of the engine, even the steel ones, because they're not just steel, they're cadmium-plated steel. So they're designed to last the life of the engine if everything else is in order. When they rust out, it's because you've got an issue going on. And like I said, some mechanics just don't think that deep. They just don't look into that. They just kind of do the job at hand, which is, hey, the plug's leaking, let's replace the plug. Right, and especially if you told him, hey, the plugs are leaking, I want them replaced. Right, if you kind of go, go in and tell further. him what to do, then he right. kind of just does what you tell him. But if you go in and say, look, why did this happen, then maybe it forces him to think a little deeper. Some do, some, do, some, some don't. don't. Right. But I guess I analyze things to a fault. You ask me what time it is, I'm going to tell you how a watch works. It's just the way my brain works. But corrosion is one of those things. If you go to my website, just key in the keyword corrosion, and there's a two-part article in that's going to teach you more about corrosion and electrolysis and galvanic action than you ever want to know. And when you get through reading that article, you're going to know a whole, whole lot more than you know now. Yeah, I've uh, gone through your website and read a lot about coolant mm-hmm. and so forth, more than I knew before or mm-hmm. thought I knew. Mm-hmm. And uh, certainly regret not having taken care of better condition of the, the cooling system. Yeah, uh, as you would have been indicated. best if prevented it, but that's spilled milk now, so you don't worry about that. You say, where can we go from here? And I think it's going to be a matter of trying to remove as much as you possibly can. If you want to put a filter in, that would be just extra icing on the cake. But I think the key is going to be frequent coolant changes because nothing will cool that system better than changing the coolant. You know, hot coolant is going to clean better than anything else. It's going to pick up the debris, draining and filling on a regular basis, maybe every three to six months for a while, you know, for a couple of years. And once it comes out nice and clean, 
you can actually even send coolant out and have it analyzed. They can tell you the parts per million of debris and what debris is in it. And when it starts coming back iron-free, then you're pretty healthy. Yeah. Well, certainly I want to try to get it done right this time, but I don't want to waste a whole lot of time and effort either You know, if in re- removing these plugs, as you're recommending or mm-hmm. at least mentioning. Is it worth doing that, or should I just go ahead and bite the bullet and be expecting to remove the engine and have it clean? I think properly? I would try pulling the plugs first. On that car, as I recall, it's a big block car. Right. should be three plugs on each side. There should be one, one of them one is behind the, the engine mount. Yeah, one's behind the mount. It can't right. get it at all. One's behind the starter, which you can move the starter and get to. I just have to see the car. I think the Corvette's fairly open underneath the back. on the back side. Right. There's probably one of them on each side you can get to relatively easily. So I, think think be wor- I think it would be worth a try. One or two on each side. Yes, yeah, sir. One on right. each side, and you may have to fashion some sort of a wand out of a plastic and hook it to a hose where you can actually feed it in and get to right. the front of the block. But I would think you could get a piece of plastic tubing, maybe some quarter, three-eighths-inch plastic tubing, fashion it to the end of a garden hose and just kind of snake it up. It's going to be a real nasty job. It's going to be messy. You have to put your swim trunks on and crawl under there. But, or you get a buddy over and get him drunk and let him do it. Nah, I'm just joking. If you can get the car up on some stands where you can get on there and work, I mean, it, it's not going to be a pleasant job at all. But being inconvenienced a little bit for a while is going to be a whole lot better than paying me $90 an hour to do it for you. you know? Yeah. Well, that kind of leads to my final question. Mm-hmm. I know you, and I understand the reasons for reluctance on trying to give estimates or whatever, but... Mm-hmm. In, in removing an engine uh, in a car like that, am I looking at a thousand, two thousand? Got any ballpark? Here? Most of the time, removing and installing an engine is going to run between ten and twenty hours somewhere, depending on what accessories, how tight the engine is, what else you've got on it. So, I mean, you can do the math. Most shops yeah. are going to be ninety bucks an hour or so. I mean, if you, some are higher, some are a hundred bucks an hour. So, that's going to be your ballpark. Depends a lot on how the engine's fitted in there, what accessories are on it, and all that kind of stuff as to how much time it takes to do it. Yeah, okay. Well, at this point, I haven't reconnected, or I bought all new hoses with this. I haven't put the upper hose back or thermostat and so forth, you know, mm-hmm. trying to get things what I thought would be normal first. Yes, sir. Uh, be best. If I have it towed to you, should I just leave that off for the time being? It hurt because, I mean, if I do have to pull the engine, all that's got to come right back off again. And yeah. if you put it on and start the engine, you're going to kind of contaminate the new parts, which just means there's that much more we have to clean up. Exactly. So, well, that was a concern because I've also replaced the water pump while mm-hmm. I was at it. And, and see, water pumps will continue to fail because of the abrasive effect right. of the iron oxide. Right. Go to the hardware store and buy sandpaper. It's either going to be aluminum oxide or ferrous oxide is the abrasive on it. Sure. And it's because it's a really good abrasive. And when it gets into your water pump, it just grinds the seal away. So yeah. it won't happen immediately, but it'll definitely cut the life of the pump by probably one-tenth. Yeah. Well, actually, I had no problems really with the water pump, and I had no overheating uh, indications when I was last driving the car. Mm-hmm. The only reason I started down this long road was that I saw a little bit of corrosion, a little bit of what I was calling weeping of uh, coolant on the tubes of the radiator yeah. where they went into the side tanks. And so I said, well, I know I'm in for trouble down the well, road. Yeah, well, yeah, and again, that's kind of a sign of galvanic action going on, eating that mm-hmm. radiator up sitting there because it sounds like you don't drive the car a whole lot. But, yeah, yeah. you definitely got some corrosion going on. You need to get that back under control or, you know, it'll eat your car away. I mean, you won't have a car left to work on. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay, so All you right. said something like a hundred to two hundred hours. No, 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 uh, no sir. Between 20, ten, 10 between ten and twenty hours somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
You know, some go real fast. I mean, you right. can drop them right out. Others, you got to do more for. At roughly, just, at roughly a hundred dollars an hour. Yeah, just not, as a ninety base. is our rate. Some right. some are a little higher, but kind of gives you a ballpark figure. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, telling what else you'll find while you're at it. Well, you're going to probably find a few things while you're in there. I mean, if you're going to take the engine out, you want to do a good look at everything else, like the motor mounts and that sort of thing, because certainly they can all be changed at the same time for no additional charge. So. Well, and it may be that the engine is worn, and you can just send the whole thing to a machine shop. Yeah. Or If that's the case. If that's the case, or you know. it's fairly fresh. You know, that's not a concern. But anything you think you might ever want to do is the time to right. do it because you're right there. You know, the timing chain is old. I mean, you want to change the timing chain, hey, you're right there. It's just no big deal to do while it's all out of the car. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. All right, all right guys. Okay, well, I certainly appreciate the information. All right, man. All right Thanks sir. a lot. Bye-bye. All right. All right. Four nine 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 five two six is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive fire, we'd love to have you. Greg, if you hold on, you'll be straight up after this break. Travel my Hey champ, your dad and I wanted to talk to you about camp this year. You mean Camp Adventure Mountain? Where I've gone every year since I was eight and get to see all my friends? Yes, but there's been a change of plans. Times are tight, and this year, you're going to Catfish Camp in Beargut Bayou, Mississippi. Catfish Camp? You learn to raise, kill, and clean your own catfish. And a portion of what you produce goes back into your college fund. Wow, sounds exciting, huh, buddy? Here's a little Agconomics for you from Agco Automotive. There are better ways to save money, like making sure your car gets taken into Agco for regular preventative maintenance so you can avoid those huge repair bills. That way, nobody has to go to catfish camp. It says here in the brochure, you just grab the catfish, whack it in the head, and it's ready to be skinned. That sounds easy enough. Mom, I don't feel so good. For more Agconomics, visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Tune Tools will try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? It's 499-9526. And we've got Greg has been patiently holding. Good morning, Greg. Hey, good morning, Louis and Brian. Good Sir. morning. Hey, I have a 2005 Lincoln LS with a 3.9 V8. Okay. Uh-huh. I have uh, taken the uh, thermostat uh, cap off, the mm-hmm. little, off the housing. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. And I can see the thermostat. Okay. And when I start that car from a dead cold engine, mm-hmm. it will squirt water out of about six or seven inches. Well, yeah, the thermostat is not a watertight seal. It just restricts the flow. It doesn't. It's not a watertight seal. It's not going to seal it in if you take the thermostat housing off. Some flow is going to go through there. That is normal. Okay, so it's not... Okay. The proper right. way to check a thermostat would be to take it out and put it in a pot of hot water. You With put a thermometer. thermometer in there, and at 195 degrees, it should start to open. And by about 200 degrees to 210, it ought to be wide open. Or just yeah, go on my website and search for thermostat, and it'll show you an article all about it. This is a, it's not like a regular thermostat. It's built into the housing. Mm, not on a 3.9. No, 3.9's got a separate thermostat. There is a thermostat housing. Yeah. And there's a heater and control valve that might be what you're looking at. you got to push it down into the housing and twist it. Yeah, well, that, that's pretty common on cars right. today. Yeah. That's, that's really nothing real unusual. But what kind of problem are you trying to solve, Greg? Well, it was overheating. And okay. I, when does it overheat? Well, whenever you drive it down the road. Okay. okay. It overheats when you're going down the road, or does it overheat when you come to a stop? No, going down the road, driving okay. down the road. Okay. And, and when you come to a stop, what does it do? Well, you know, they, they just... Whenever they stopped it, they drove it. Yeah, drove it we're home. trying to get out of you, uh, Greg. I got to know when it overheats because it's going to be di- totally different diagnosis depending on that. In other words, 
if you were going down the road, you came to a stop and it got hot, that's yeah. an airflow issue. Okay, if you're going down the road 60 miles an hour and it starts overheating, that's a capacity issue, which is two totally separate things. So find out from them when it overheats or what caused overheat and when you come to a stop, what it does, and that's going to tell you the area to start looking in. Okay. Because there are literally a dozen things that can cause an overheat, and you're going to run out of money way before you run out of guesses. I mean, you start guessing at stuff, you ain't going to even get close to the problem. And every time that engine overheats, you're getting real dangerously close to tearing it up because yeah, a 39 don't yeah, take overheating. Yeah, I mean, you can go in right now with a scan tool and see how hot it got. If it got over 260 degrees, it's going to set a code for that. And if it did, I mean, the odds of having real serious issues are pretty bad. Yeah. It's an aluminum head engine. They will take out the two heads on it in a heartbeat. Yeah, that's what I told them. Mm -hmm. But, you know, thermostats do occasionally give trouble, but they don't really give that much trouble. And you would just need to know when it overheated. And there's try to get the full story out of them. When, what were you doing? There's I was driving 60, and it was okay, and then I came to a stop. When I came to a stop, it started getting hotter and hotter. That's one thing. Yeah. Or I was going down the interstate 60 miles an hour, and it started getting hotter and hotter and hotter. Well, that's something totally different. You're looking at something oh, like yeah. a plug radiator or a blown head gasket or something like that. Yeah. It's producing more heat than it can get rid of. The other is it doesn't flow enough air through the radiator when it stopped. Right. So find that out, and I guarantee you you'll find the source of your problem. That's that's how you have to diagnose it. Okay. All righty. All right, Liz. All right, Greg. Thanks, man. All, All right, right, sir. 499-9526, a number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. And we've got Ray online. Good morning, Ray. Yeah, good morning, guys. I appreciate you taking the call. Yes, sir. Thank you. I've got a 2005 Pontiac Grand Am, uh-huh. 3.4 liter engine. It's giving me a service engine, and they're saying the code is a random misfire. Okay. okay. I've replaced plugs, uh, the plug wires, and even the coils, and mm-hmm. it's still giving me that random misfire. Yeah. Right. Go on my website, Ray, and just type in the word random misfire in the search bar, search bar and it'll give you an article how to go about trying to find that. Random misfires, you got to remember, are going to is something that's occurring on all the cylinders. Okay. So it is something that affects all the cylinders equally. Stuff like a spark plug, you're not going to have all the spark plugs go bad at once. You can have one right. plug go bad. So that would be a single cylinder misfire. Which same thing will with set, a plug wire, same thing with a call. Right. It will set an individual code for right. that cylinder or the adjacent cylinder. Right. Instead of being like a PO300 or a PO316, it's going to be a PO1, PO2, PO3, PO4, and so on. Okay. You can forget all, all the stuff that affects one, one cylinder individually because it's a random misfire. That means all the cylinders are missing at random. Right. So okay. now you're looking at stuff like let's check the fuel pressure because low fuel pressure will cause a miss on all cylinders. Let's look at a catalytic converter being plugged up, exhaust back pressure. That would cause a miss on all cylinders. Let's look at an airflow meter or a map sensor, you see. So right. you got to know more than just going in and start throwing parts at it. Right. Because but, everything you've done is pretty much wasted. Okay. Well, see, at first, you know, the first code I got was a 301. Okay. All right. Misfiring on one. Okay, misfiring on cylinder number one. Okay. Right. And then I changed the plugs, and, and then I got a service engine light again. So I went back, and they said, oh, you got a misfire on number three, P- P0303, P-0-3-0-3, right. Yes, and then so I, I changed the uh, the plug wire and coil, mm-hmm. and then now i got a random misfire. Yeah. And, on, and it's like, wow. Well, you might well, want to go back and trace your work. Make right. sure you didn't cross a wire or get something wrong. Maybe you, knock a vacuum line off. Could have a defective spark plug. Very, I mean, very well could have. Or defective plugs, depending on what brand you bought. And don't tell me over the air, but, man, there are some spark plugs. They are junk out the box. You have misses everywhere. I would recommend, if you haven't already done it, get a set of AC Delco plugs and a set of AC Delco plug wires. 
because you may have created a random misfire if you put aftermarket parts on there. See that very commonly. Okay, okay. I mean, you can see that's the problem is you go right. in, you had one problem, and then you put junk parts. Well, then you end up with three more problems, and you go off on a tirade of spending money. Right. And you actually fix the first problem the first time, you just created three more problems. See? Right, okay. So, yeah, okay. I don't think a new part's a known good part. Okay, what was the website address again? Agcoauto.com, A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Mm. Very good. I appreciate it, guys. All right, Ray. All right Thanks, sir. man. Bye-bye. Thanks. 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. And we've got Jack online. Good morning, Jack. Uh, good morning. How yes, you sir. doing? Doing great, Good son. morning. I thought I'd just let you know that that car is working beautiful. Well, all right. I, I'm proud of you, Jack. I knew you were going to get that. <laughs> <laughs> and it took me all summer. <laughs> well, you got it all done right in time for winter. That's it. Well, you don't need it. <laughs> Cars in storage and all covered up now. Yeah, how cold is it up there right now, Jack? Oh, uh, it's in the 40s. Oh, well, you don't need air conditioning then. No. Nope, nope. You, you, you got the big air conditioning running right now, man. <laughs> no, I just thought I'd give you a call and let you know. Well, great. Yeah, I figured that was going to do it. I think probably the condenser and getting that trash out is what ended up doing the trick for you. I mean, as soon as I put that condenser in there? Yes, sir. Working perfectly. I, tell you, I couldn't tell you how many cars we fixed just by changing condensers. I mean, yeah. we do a lot, a lot, a lot of air conditioning work, and we change an awful lot of condensers and fix a lot of problems. Right. All right. Well, all right, Jack. You. Thanks for calling, man. Bye bye. That's old Jack from Ohio. Boy. Yeah. He spent all last summer trying to get that air conditioning. Fixed. I know it. Hey, we're gonna take a quick little break and be right back with more of the Automotive Hour. Jack, how was your trip to the Bahamas? Oh, Kristen and I had a blast. Yeah, I'm going to miss our beach trip this year. You know, paying notes on that new car. Yeah, the new car. I was going to buy used, but Big Joe over at Big Joe's Autoplex kept telling me how business was slow and he was hurting, practically giving new cars away. So I spent the extra 15 grand for the new one. Yeah, I saw Big Joe on a trip. Actually went out on his boat with him. Big Joe has a boat in the Bahamas? Technically more of a yacht. Here's a little agconomics for you from Agco Automotive. In times like these, buying a new car may not be your best option. Keep that old one and just keep it running right with preventative maintenance from Agco. So I'm stuck paying this car note while Mr. Happy-Go-Lucky Joe cruises the Bahamas? Look, Joe was a little upset. He lost his house, you know. Really? Yeah, I think it was the one in the Keys. Or maybe Aspen. Oh, give me a break. For more Agconomics, visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Agco, it's the place to go. Boys off the river to ride. Don't mind it, cause the man with the whiskers has a lot behind it, but I can't Hey, welcome back. Just join us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between tools, try to answer any automotive questions you might have. We're going right back to our phone lines with Joe. Good morning, Joe. How you doing? Doing Good great, morning. sir. Okay, I had to text y'all, but I guess I didn't give y'all enough information. I have a 98 Isuzu Ombre. Okay. And I get a reading that it EGR problem. Okay. Now, when I take the pin off and you got the A, B, C, D, and E pin, five That's correct. pins. Mm-hmm. Okay, A is the ground that comes from the, the computer. I guess it grounds it whenever it... Well, there's, there's two grounds. You've got a system ground, and then you've got a... A is the ground for the stepper motor inside the EGR valve. B is the ground for the pental sensor or the sensor inside of the EGR valve. Okay. Well, the thing is, I get the five volts, you know, that, that it's supposed to get. Yeah, that's just a reference, though. Right. That yeah. You don't have enough equipment or enough knowledge to test that that way. It's just setting an EGR code, and you're trying to figure out if it's the EGR valve or what the problem is. Right. Well, when I take the plug off and I check it, I get my 12 volts on E-pin. Mm-hmm. 
but the minute I plug it into it, it drops to point zero ten. Yeah, but see, you're talking about the feed off the ignition that's going to do that. That's not necessarily going to be at half voltage when it's plugged in. That's an ignition feed. You're trying to check something digital with a voltmeter, and it just ain't going to work. Probably oh. your best bet is most of the time, what engine is it, Joe? It's a 2.2 liter. More times than not. If it's got that round motor-looking solenoid-driven right. EGR yeah. valve, those do not fail. I mean, they rarely, rarely ever give any problem. More times than not, the passageways under are going to be plugged up with carbon. And one way you can check that is you can actually remove the EGR valve and see if gas is blowing. If you got exhaust noise and gas blowing out of it to beat the band, then you know the passageways are open. If you don't, then those passageways are probably plugged up. I got to say, I haven't changed two of those valves in the last 30 years. So it's, well, it's rarely the valve. Took the valve off, you know, and mm-hmm. cleaned it with carburetor cleaner. It's clean. And, you know, if I put. Yeah, but if you crank the engine up, does, bins, if you okay. take that valve off and you crank the engine up, what does it do? Well, I hadn't tried well, Try that. that okay. Try that. See if it blows like a wide open exhaust leak, then those passages are open. But that okay. passage snakes all the way up in into right. the intake. I mean, it's probably about a half a foot long or so. Yeah, and you're not going to clean it through the valve. You're no. actually going to have to take the intake off and go in from each port has a acceptance into it. Mm-hmm. You have to go into each port and clean it, and then you got to clean the long run that goes across the back. Now, some of that carbon gets as hard as a brick. Yeah, right. I mean, it's right. you got to drill job. it out. It's a job to clean. You need like a, like an old speedometer cable or something on the end of a drill right. and get in there and drill right. it out. But see, the feeds are coming right off the PCM. So if your PCM were bad, you'd have more problems than that. Okay. That's very unlikely. I'm not saying it can't be. I'm just saying if you hear hooves behind you, you're not going to suspect it's a herd of zebra. Right. You're going to suspect a herd of horses first. You understand? You're going to look for the simple stuff first. That engine always had a problem with those passageways plugging up. So that's the first thing I'm checking. Oh, okay. You you can go in there and get a lab scope, spend two hours pen testing the computer, but you ain't checked to see if you've got flow yet. Right. It'll right. set an EGR. It will set an EGR card, valve code, code because, because it can't flow. Well, it's commanding the EGR to open, and it's looking at the map sensor, and it won't see the map sensor rise because right. the gas is flowing into the intake. Now, see, a bad map sensor will also cause that code. It'll set an EGR code. It ain't going to set a map sensor code mm-hmm. because it's thinking that the valve is open. It's looking for the pressure rise. It doesn't see pressure rise. It's going to flag an EGR code. So you can't ever take those codes literally. you got to understand right. how it all works. But try right. pull the valve off, crank it up, and see. And if you're just getting a little bit of gas through it, I mean, it ought to blast like a wide like open tailpipe. Right. And you ought, I mean, you can't put your hand over it. It'll be hot gas. Obviously, you can't let it run like that very long, but it's just a right. test procedure. Right. If just a little bit's coming out or none's coming out, then that's going to yeah. be more likely a problem. I'd check that first. All right. Well, if if that don't do it and you still got trouble, email me back and I'll give you some other stuff to check. But you're going to spend a whole lot of time checking stuff that probably is not the problem. Right, right. All right. All right, thank you. Okay, Joe. All right, sir. Thanks, man. All right, bye-bye. All right, 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the automotive aisle, we'd certainly love to have you. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? We see that a lot. Yeah. You know, just you get a code red, and it's taken literally, and you start throwing parts well, at it, and before long. Folks are trying to help themselves. And I understand. That's, that's very good. It's, it's great that you're doing that, but you got to know an awful lot, or you at least got to have a book or a manual that shows you how it all works. Correct. Because you can pen test stuff, and when you're reading analog signals, that's one thing. When you're reading a digital signal with a pulse-modulated ground, it's going to be totally different. Sure. Because it all, it doesn't send a voltage pulse. And it's not 5 volts. It's a 5-volt square wave, which you cannot read with a voltmeter. Correct. you got to have a lab scope a lab to read scope that. to actually see it, to see the pattern. And the height of the wave means one thing. The, the length. length of the wave means something else. The distance between waves means something else. 
So again, all of that kind of stuff is just not very likely to be the problem in this particular case. Correct. Because all of it is coming directly out of the PCM, and chances are if the PCM were bad, it would have more things wrong than just that because it's a quad driver. In fact, I think that particular quad on the PCM drives the idle control motor also. I'm not certain about that, but uh-huh. I think. So you'd start having idling problems. You'd have other issues going on. Right. It just points me in a different direction first. Now, if I pull the valve off, I test that, I hadn't wasted 10 minutes doing it, and I hadn't got any money involved at all. Uh-huh. If that's not the case, well, now I'll move on to the bigger stuff. Sure. But I'm not going to go start checking complicated stuff until I check all the easy stuff the easy first. Stuff first. Yeah, absolutely. And the last people in the world that want you to think logically like that are the folks who own these parts stores where they go in and you got a little free code reader in there, and they read a code and they say, you $300 EGR valve that you don't need. What needs to happen is you take the valve home, put it on, you still got the same problem, go back, hand it back to you, say, well, that didn't fix it. I want my money back. And you do that, and then you'd see a stop to that kind of foolishness because they're not there to help you. They're just there to sell you stuff. They want to sell you a set of plug wires, sell you a call, sell you all kinds of stuff, but they're not going to stand good behind it when it doesn't fix your car. Not only that, a lot of the substandard junk has to be taken off, thrown away, and then the right parts have to be put back on, which greatly increases your cost. So, yeah, they're not doing you any kind of favor. Generally, anytime you see the word free, look out, because they ain't trying to help you. Let's go back to our phone lines with Greg. Good morning, Greg. Good morning. Yes, sir. Good morning. I'm assuming you guys are going to be closed on the Friday after Thanksgiving. We, we are. are. We closed the whole week of Thanksgiving. What about that week between Christmas and New Year's? Are y'all going to be open? No, nope. sir. <laughs> <laughs> it's not working I, with my schedule at all? I tell you, Greg, if you go to our website and just type in hours, there is a calendar that will show you one year in advance, every day that we're open and what hours and all that kind of stuff. All right. Well, I guess a way to get in there before then. Yeah, that's times when we can actually afford to, because everybody at our shop, yeah. they start, you got three weeks vacation, but yeah. one week is between Thanksgiving, the other week is between Christmas, third week we all vote on and kind of go into summertime sometime, yeah, exactly. but that's about the only times we can afford to close down because that's when most business really drops off during the holidays yeah. like that. And that's why I'm off. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's why you're there off. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let me just ask you something you real bet. quick then. I've got an 03 Camry. Uh, I do regular rotations and all that kind of stuff. Okay. I've been hearing on the driver's front, if I say I'm going up a, a little curb, you know, going into a, a driveway, you know how they got that little curb? Yes, yeah, sir. At a slow rate of speed, like a little thump, I guess. Okay. Uh, Is it a single thump or a thump, thump, thump? or Just one time. Yeah, when you hit the bump. Yeah, and it reminds me of, like, a shock would be loose. Right, right. Kind of pop around in there. Yes, sir. The shock's definitely not loose. I rotated last week, and I... You know, pulled on everything up in there, and I couldn't yeah. find anything that was I loose. can tell you, Greg, the three most common things on that. One is the upper strut mount that and that big rubber cushion at the top. By a far margin, that's more than likely going to be your issue. Yeah, right. those cars three, were notorious. Three studs coming up through the fender, and it's a big rubber mount, and that Under the rubber hood. breaks down. You can't see it from the outside at all. You got to take it out to check it. But you get looseness, and when the strut goes up and down, you get a bump, 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 bump. And um, the second thing is slack inside of the strut itself, which again you will not be able to determine without taking it off because the spring is holding well, it tight. I was gonna say you're gonna have to take the spring off of the strut, right? Take the pressure off of it to be able to even check it. Yeah. The third thing is what they call a stabilizer bar end links, and that you can check fairly easy. That's a little link that connects the strut to the stabilizer bar. Mm-hmm. To test that, you can just disconnect them temporarily, tape them up out of the way where they won't hear anything, go drive it and see if the noise is gone. Now, that being said, they also where the stabilizer bar hooks to the frame. subframe. Those bushings are bad about getting hard, and they'll shrink mm-hmm. a little bit, and that bar will actually 
make noise inside of that cushion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So those are mainly those are the four horsemen of the Camry noise apocalypse. If it's not one of those four, man, it's something real bizarre. Something, yeah, right. probably ninety nine percent of all Camry right. noises are going to be one of those four. No, it drives. It's not pulling. It won't. Driving a slack joint. It's not going to pull. It's not going to affect anything a whole lot other than the noise. Eventually, it'll break and the strut will right. come through the hood if it's a mount. But you know, that's down the road a little bit. Yeah. Well, so there's no tire wear necessarily. That it no, needs no, it's not necessarily. No, if it's no, in alignment, it's just got up and down slack in it. Right. Yeah, you're going to get a noise, but you're not going to get any kind of other noticeable symptom. Not in the short term, anyway. Right. right Appreciate the help. All right, thank you. All man. right, sir. Bye bye. 499-9526 the number. If you want to be part of the automotive eye, we'd love to have you. That oh, was a common issue. It, it was. Just about every Camry that rolled through the door had a bad upper strut mount Yeah, on. I think they had some bad mounts there. And I say bad. I guess when they get 80,000, 90,000 miles, usually you start seeing that. And I right. guess that's not too bad. But the rubber will actually separate from the bonding uh, of the metal around it. Correct. And so that whole piece moves up and down. When it gets bad enough, it will affect the alignment. It will cause tire wear because it will cause the strut to move, which will change the camber. But and it can tow. get real bad before that happens. So most of the time it's fixed before it ever starts wearing tires. Well, it drives somebody crazy before it gets to that state. <laughs> yeah. bump, bump, That's bump, a fact. Bump, 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 bump. Sound like a mummy beating on the lid of the coffin trying to get out. And the strut itself, we do see that not so much with the original Toyota strut, but a lot of times folks will go in and replace the strut, put aftermarket on it, and then – Maybe a year later, they've got a real bad knocking noise. That'll be internal to the strut itself, a failure in the strut. And aftermarket struts are notorious for that. They are. Some of the factory ones, after they get 100,000, 100 on them. 200 even. The little bushing will wear out because all the weight is being held by that bushing on the front end. Correct. So it starts wearing in an oblong pattern, and before long, the shaft is able to wobble back and forth. So when the suspension changes height, that's the first part that moves, mm-hmm. and it's actually a, a bronze bushing against a steel shaft, so it makes a clunk clunk. That's right. And you will not check that on the vehicle. I no. don't care how clever you are. No. Because you, you have got a spring to. with about 800 to 1,000 pounds of pressure pulling it tight all Correct. the time. You and have to unload up, it. Yeah, you would have to take and take the strut out of the car, take the spring off of the strut, and then you can clearly oh, yeah. wobble a shaft. In fact, I got one in the shop right now. I took out Thursday. Thing. We showed one at the auto awareness class. We were showing it to people, and hey, this is what it looks like. And right. That strut actually got bent yeah. in an accident. When the shaft went down in the bent arc, it actually stretched the bronze bushing out that was in it and mm-hmm. started rattling. And it's real impressive because you can hold the strut and turn the shaft and it wobbles yeah, around about whop. a three-inch circle at the top. Whop, 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 whop. Like one of those Mexican noisemakers you used to take by the hand and shake it back and forth. You hear the thing rattling inside. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that is the kind of stuff. But certain cars have certain things that sure. make noises. The strut mounts on the Camry is one of those things, kind of like when we were talking to the fellow with EGR valve, we're going to go look at that first. Sure. Because our experience tells us this is where most of the time the problem is. Rather than waste a lot of time checking other things, we're going to check that first. Other cars, like for instance, Ford products, are notorious for the stabilizer end links making noise. Correct. So when I get a bumping noise there in the front end, if I can't isolate, the first thing I'm going to do is tie the two stabilized bar links up out of the way. That's usually the first thing we do in the procedure of trying to find a noise is get the well, sway bar out of the it's way. It's easiest and take least amount of time to do. And it fixes it a lot of times, or at least it diagnoses a problem sure. a lot of times. But what you got to remember, like you alluded to earlier, when you do disconnect two end links, you also disable the bar itself. Correct. So if the bushings at the frame are making noise, they're going to stop also. Right, so because the bar quit moving. can make a false assumption that, hey, this fixes, so it must be the link. But from my experience, I can grab that bar when I get those links disconnect. Correct. 
I can move that bar, and I can tell if those bushings are bad or not. That is correct. Once it's just disabled, from my experience, I've, well, and I've done so many of them. Got the tension off of it now, so you can just grab the bar, and if it's got slack in that, then you can go after the frame sure. bushings. And the frame bushings are generally relatively inexpensive. Depending on the application, because some of them take an intensive amount of labor to get to. Some of them are really buried. They are. Some of them you actually have to drop the subcradle down to get to the bolts to get them out. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a pretty intense, labor-intense job on some cars. Some they're stick. Yeah, they're right. hanging right out yeah, there on the outside. Two, two bolts and done. Right. Another thing that will make a knocking noise like that in the front end, we ran across it on ladies' Chrysler minivan this week, is a rack and pinion sometimes will have slack between the rack and the housing. Correct. Or rack gear and the housing. And, again, since it's tied to the wheel, every time you hit a little bump, you get a bump, 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 bump kind of a noise. Exactly. And that, too, is easily diagnosed. Pretty easy to diagnose. And, really, it's more of an annoyance than a problem. It is. It's a fairly expensive thing to fix. It generally doesn't cause other problems. So unless or until the rack starts to leak, you might just choose to ignore it, even though you know what it is. Right. Now, I would certainly not ignore noise because it could be the lower control arm falling off. So you need to get it diagnosed. But if you find out that's what it is, you choose not to fix it at this time. Well, and eventually the rack choice. is going to go out. Eventually the rack is going to go out. Depending you, on that's right. you know, what type of If it's got enough slack to make a knocking noise, it's going to start leaking at some sure. point. And we're going to fix it all right there. So we get two birds with one stone. Exactly. And we'll take one last quick little break, and we'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Man, I wish I wouldn't have bought that brand new car last year. In these times, and with that note, our vacation plans are shot. No beach trip? No, Bastrop. To visit the in-laws. Ouch. During my mother-in-law's surgery. Please stop. Here's a little Agconomics for you from Agco Automotive. You know, in times like these, a few bucks spent on preventative maintenance instead of a new car note makes the most economic sense. Then your car will last longer and you'll spend less money and less time in the repair shop. Agco calls it the lowest overall cost of driving your car. Jack, what about you? Hauling the family to Biloxi in that old 2005 SUV again this year? Nope, we're leaving it at the airport while Chris and I head out to the Bahamas. Wow. Yep, there are perks to a little maintenance on an old car, Dave, my boy. For more Agconomics, visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, president of Agco Automotive. i got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here by my side. Hey, between two of us, try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? Still got plenty of time. That's right. Try to help you out and point you in the right direction. And if you happen to miss our deadline today or think of something after we go off the air. That's or right. Maybe even during the week next or week. Or you're listening from outside the country. That's right. You can always visit our website and get your questions answered that way. That's right. The address is www.agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. That's right. There's a contact bar on each and every page. You just fill out the form and send it to Lewis, and he'll get it back to you within 24 hours. That's right. And if you don't get an answer back from us, be sure to check your email address. Make sure you type the right address. I noticed, too, two of our callers today are folks who had emailed, and they emailed multiple times. So uh -huh. I guess they did not get a reply back from us. I know Cox email, if you got Cox service, does sometimes block our emails for some reason i can't understand why i've written to them several times about it but if you're not getting a reply what you might do is go in and add us to your safe sender list just add agcoauto.com your safe sender list because sometimes they'll see a lot of email coming out of a certain server and assume it's a virus or they'll block it and they will block it and you will not receive our email that or if you call cox and complain about it they may be able to do something about okay. it i'm not sure because 
I know the gentleman with the Corvette, I sent him three replies to the right. same and, and the guy with the Lincoln with the thermostat, I replied to that three times also. Okay. And I figured when I kept getting more questions that I must they must not be getting through. Right. But there's nothing I can do on my end other than complain to Cox, which I have done. So if you're not getting it, try adding us to your safe senders list. Also, check the junk email folder if you have one or spam folder. Make sure they're not in there because it may be funneling it over there. And I think you can right-click and add safe sender right there. I'm not sure. I'm not that familiar with I it. I think you right-click on an email in the spam folder and just put not junk, and it'll okay. it'll move it. And I, th- I think you might try that or, or just call Cox and find out why. Well, I'm not getting my emails. Well, I'm not getting my emails. <laughs> they were blocking mine. I wasn't getting a pile of email, and I called up there and chewed them. I said, look, you just take this off. I'll decide if I want to delete something. Right. And I think they took it off mine because now I started getting most of my emails again. But I know that is a problem for folks. Okay. So yeah. Something, if you hadn't gotten an answer back from us, it's not because I didn't reply, because I do. I answer every single email every single time. If you're not getting it, either you give me the wrong return address or something's getting blocked on your end. So just check that. If you hadn't gotten an answer back. And if not, of course, you can always call us on the radio show. That's right. That mm-hmm. always works. That's it. There's, there's several, <laughs> as far as I know, that's not getting blocked yet. <laughs> <laughs> there's several databases you can search on the site as well. That's right. You might even find an answer to your question right there because if you go into the questions, vehicle questions, vehicle questions right. give you a little quick answer to the problem and kind of give you some information, may even provide you a link to a detailed topic with a whole lot more information on it. Exactly. And on those detailed topics, I do go in every single week and update them. There's one on head gaskets, and it's pretty popular. We get a lot of hits on it. I went in this morning and updated a lot of information, added a lot more information, because occasionally I get an email and someone asks a question. I say, well, you know, that wasn't really covered thoroughly enough uh-huh. in the article. So I'll go back and add another three or four paragraphs, maybe add some more illustrations. So if you've read some of the detailed topics, you might want to go back and read them again because they do get updated on a regular basis. That's great. That's one way we keep our ratings on Google is because our content is very fresh. It keeps getting updated. And that's one reason Google will keep you high on their list. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. Another thing we did on the site, we added it to what they call the cloud now. So rather than just coming from a server, it's actually served to you off of the cloud. So if you're outside of the country, you can get much, much faster download. Oh, that's great. I tested it this morning, and we were in the top 97% of all websites on the internet as far as download speed. Yeah, That's great. Yeah, it puts it across a number of servers, so you get a copy of the original, and it can just dispense it much faster. You don't have the latency because it doesn't have to go all the way to Austin, Texas to get to that server if you're emailing from India. Uh It can go to one in New Delhi and pop it right off of there, so it's much, much quicker. And that is really a problem with international guests. It's also a problem if you're on the West Coast and the server's on the East Coast. Correct. You get some latency, or if you're in Canada or any of the other areas. So you might notice the site speed is going to be much, much, much faster, and that's because we've uh, actually hired a service. You know, they don't do it for you for free, but <laughs> it's a service that actually speeds you up quite a bit. So uh, we got, got that all online last month. You can notice that the time that folks spend on your site gets longer and longer because they're not having to waste all the time waiting for something to download. Right. Because we have a number of illustrations on that site that are fairly high resolution, and if you have a slow Internet connection, and it may take – 30 seconds for that image to download and not too many people are going to sit there and wait 30 seconds for an image to no, appear not. on the screen they're going to hit not the back anymore button. yeah they can hit the back button and go so yeah, back when everybody was on dial up you had no choice oh, you know, yeah. that was one thing well but that's nowadays right. 
Well, Man, and nowadays you don't what, don't want to wait for anything. What the cloud actually does, it stores copies of those images so that when you go to it a second time, it doesn't have to go to the server and get that image again. It just it's pops you a copy of it. It will actually, everybody's computer does the same thing. If you have a site you go to a lot, it's going to store copies of the images that get downloaded or stored on your computer in what they call a cache. Uh-huh. And what you're looking at is not necessarily what's on the server. You're looking at what's stored in your browser cache. Once an image is downloaded, it's going to index it on your site. And next time it wants that image, it just goes to your browser cache rather than having to go all the way back to the server. It just makes your computer run a whole lot faster. Gotcha. So when you go in and clear your browser cache, or sometimes if something on a screen, and this is not on our site, but any site, doesn't make a lot of sense, something scrambled up, hit F5, that'll refresh your cache. It won't clear it, but it'll refresh it and get you a fresher copy. Okay. So then it'll clear up. I've seen where I've gone on websites, and it's just an error message. I hit F5, well, it comes, it comes up. up. And, of course, you have to go into your browser to actually clear the cache, and that's a whole other situation right. for, and this, for a computer hour, not uh, all I was, I was just <laughs> I had it in. You beat me to it. That's right. But, anyway, if you go on that website, I think you'll find a lot of good information. Well, well worth your time. Pop on there, see what you think. It's www.agcoauto.com. That's I'm an A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. All that information is not going to cost you a thing. No, it's all free, and there's really no sales presentations on there. I hate to go to a site where they're trying to sell me something or push an agenda. Right. All pretty much unbiased, free information. Pop on there, see what you think. Get out of here. I'd like to thank our podcasters for listening this week and every week. Tell your friends, go to iTunes, and give us a written rating. Yeah, if you give us a written rating on iTunes or Stitcher, it kind of moves us up so that more folks can find us, and that's what it's all about. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.